Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So today is the second to last Sunday in the church year. Next Sunday will be the last Sunday in the church year. Uh, Not to create confusion, but yeah, we don't follow the secular calendar in the church. The church year ends uh, next Sunday, and then we begin uh, the new church year on November 27th, which will be the first day of Advent. Throughout the year, as we read through the Bible following the lectionary, we begin with Advent, looking forward to the birth of Christ, and we end with Christ's return. Hence the theme that you have probably picked up from the first two hymns that we've sung today. Christ will return at the end of time, and he will return to judge the living and the dead. And the current world will pass away, and a new heavens and new earth will be revealed. This can be hard for us to wrap our tiny heads around uh, and can be a challenge. A gospel lesson today is a long one, as you all know. And uh, might be somewhat confusing, so I want to walk through that and hopefully shed some light. In the first part, from verses 5 through 24, Jesus is prophesying the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. Then in the next part, from 25 through 36, Jesus is prophesying the destruction of the world when he returns to consummate his kingdom. So the first part is very specific. He's looking specifically at the temple in Jerusalem. The second part, he's opening it up and he's looking at the final consummation of his kingdom. So to provide a little bit of context here, at the time that Jesus spoke these words, this would have been Tuesday of Passover week. We're not really like in an Easter mind right now, so it might feel disjointed, but Jesus was speaking these words Tuesday, a couple days before his betrayal and his crucifixion. This might have been the last time he saw Jerusalem. This is in that that final week. So he's in Jerusalem and one of his disciples, and if you're looking at the text very closely and you say, wait a minute, it doesn't say it was his disciple. Yes, you're right. Luke doesn't say that, but Matthew and Mark record that it was a disciple who asked the question. But he's commenting. He's, he's looking at the magnificence of these stones that have been incorporated into this, the temple, which was a beautiful, uh, beautiful temple. You'll recall that Solomon, King Solomon, built the first temple, and that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. Well, that temple was then rebuilt. Uh, A new temple was rebuilt, uh, 516 B.C., uh, following the return of the the Jews from exile to Jerusalem. And with the help of the pagan king uh, at the time, it was rebuilt. Um, But then, again, the temple was expanded significantly during uh, the first century. well, during leading up to Jesus' birth and then, and then through his lifetime. Actually, they spent years rebuilding it. Um, and that was under Herod. Uh, Jesus, we, 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 can, we can gather this um, from a number of places, but one is from John's Gospel, the second chapter. Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, they didn't realize he was talking about the temple of his body. They thought they were talking, he was talking about the temple itself. But what they said, their response to him was, 
It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? So 46 years, they've been working on this temple. This is the expanded temple under Herod. Oh, it was a beautiful edifice, this beautiful temple, massive stones and columns and, and everything. And, and this, was, this was the comment. This is what he was saying. Look, look at, you know, this is magnificent. This is beautiful. With that in mind, understand that it was shocking then for Jesus to say, as for these things that you see, these things that you see, the material items that you see here at the temple being these massive, beautiful stones and this massive, beautiful edifice. As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. He's literally saying this beautiful temple will be destroyed. And of course, we know that it was destroyed in AD 70. The Romans came in and they destroyed the temple. They, they laid siege to the city. Of course, the siege went on for quite a while. But this prophecy of Jesus, that Jesus spoke here was literally fulfilled. Uh, but Jesus said far more than to simply prophesy the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Uh, he was saying that the time was coming and was now here, in fact, when the temple would not be the place where God meets with man. Think about it. That's the history of the temple. This is where God comes to man. And Jesus was saying, no, it's not going to be in this thing that you see. No longer would uh, offerings at the temple be required to atone for the sin of the people. Those who marveled at this magnificent edifice were really ultimately being materialistic. The kingdom of God does not exist in the temple, no matter how beautiful it was. But the kingdom of God exists in Christ and specifically in the preaching of his sacrificial death on the cross for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. So they're looking at it saying, wow, this is so beautiful. And he's saying, this thing's going to be utterly destroyed. But don't worry. This isn't where the kingdom of God comes. This, me, this is where the kingdom of God comes. In fact, it's so crazy that the kingdom of God is going to come to you from the cross, from the place of torture. Yeah, you think the temple is beautiful? Something far greater is in your midst. This is what Jesus was saying to them. There's much more to be said about this prophecy, how the people of Jerusalem suffered terribly during the Roman siege campaign, which they did. Starvation was so bad that it led to cannibalism. There's also uh, the prophecy regarding the disciples and the treatment that they would receive for bearing Christ's witness to a hostile world. He said they would be persecuted, delivered up to the synagogues and prisons. Parents, brothers, relatives, and friends would even betray them, and some of them would be put to death. Time does not permit to expand on all of this, but suffice it to say that Jesus gave here a most foreboding warning of things that were to come. And if the destruction of Jerusalem was not enough, the destruction of the beloved temple was not enough, Jesus went on to prophesy 
the destruction of the entire world. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity, people fainting with fear and foreboding. The powers of the heaven will be, heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in cloud with power and great glory. I'm going to pause in the reading right here for a moment so that we make no mistake about it, that Jesus is returning in power and glory to judge the earth. He will open the gates of hell and he will cast in Satan and Satan's rebellious angels, those angels that follow Satan in the rebellion, and he will cast in those who die in unbelief. I mean, it's sobering. It's, it's meant to give us pause to reflect on this. What does this mean? I mean, this means we're not playing at something here. This isn't, this isn't playtime. This is serious. Jesus is returning. Sounds like doom and gloom, doesn't it? But it's not. You see, that's the thing. This is not doom and gloom. It shouldn't sound like doom and gloom because listen to what else Jesus said. When these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Indeed, those who are apart from Christ who do not receive the promise of eternal life ought to be terrified of this day. Yeah, they should be afraid. This is not a good day for them. But those who have been baptized, who have been made a child of God, who have received the word, who have received faith as a gift from God, eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, To us, it is not a day of doom and gloom. That's why he says, straighten up and raise your heads. You don't need to look away. You can look right at Jesus returning on the clouds in glory and power. Of course, they'll be coming to judge the world. But God has already declared you righteous for the sake of Jesus Christ. So you will be judged righteous, not because of your own works, but because of Christ's works for your behalf, on your behalf, which you receive by faith. That's why Jesus says, your redemption is drawing near. The day of judgment is a day of your redemption. When he returns, it's not your condemnation that draws near, but your redemption. Now, there's also this element in which he's saying, straighten up and uh, raise your heads. You know, what happens when we raise our heads? You know, I, I traveled through um, the, uh, to the pastor's conference it was. I was traveling through the airport and stuff. And, you know, sometimes I'd be there like reading and, and there's a whole world of activity. I mean, parents and children running around getting stuff together to board a plane and, you know, and people making travel plan changes because something's happening, flights are delayed. And, and then there's some people that just work at the airport, so they're coming and going and they're driving golf carts like 50 miles an hour down the airport and whatnot. And I'm just sitting there reading and like this whole world is like, I'm oblivious to all this that's happening. 
until it's until it, it, I think, oh, I need to check wh- where I am. And I have almost missed flights on more, more than one occasion just sitting there waiting. So I got to check and go, oh, it's almost time. And I look up and I see, oh, there's this whole act, like plethora of activity that's occurring around me. Well, that's also what Jesus is saying is that we don't know when he's returning. Could be tomorrow, right? Could be later this afternoon. Could be 100 years from now. I mean, really, you might be a grandmother by the time Jesus returns, or you might have been died and gone, dead and gone. And who knows? I mean, we just don't know. But that's the point of stand up straight, look around, be aware, be observant of what's happening around you. He's communicating to us on two levels uh, what's, what it is that we um, should be doing there. So you can look up, and in fact, should look up and be aware because we don't know the hour of his return. Nobody knows the hour of his return. There have been many who have said that they did and they've been proven wrong. Time and again, it happens. So if someone tells you they know when Jesus is returning, then you can know with confidence that they certainly don't. We're talking about the end of the world. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the end of the world? Maybe there's a question mark there. And if there is, listen to me, because there should not be a question mark. Yes, you are ready. You are ready. You have been baptized. You have repented of your sins. You confessed your sins this very morning. I heard you confessing your sins. And you have received forgiveness of your sins for the sake of Jesus Christ. Here at this altar, you will receive Christ's very body and blood, which works faith, which gives you the forgiveness of sins and strengthens your faith so that you can answer that question. Yes, I am ready. I don't know when it will be, but I know that I'm ready. Yes, yes, you are ready. And thanks be to God for that. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.